0: Welcome to the Gateway Scottsdale audio podcast. Thanks for joining us for this week's message. We pray God speaks to you through this message and through his word today. For more information about our church, please visit us at www.gatewayscottsdale.tv. Now, let's tune in for this week's message. We are in a series titled Hear. And for uh, about the last six or seven weeks, we've been talking about hearing God's voice. And if you have a Bible, I want you to open up to Mark chapter, or Matthew chapter 4. Sorry, We'll get there in a couple of, of passages. Just keep it open there at Matthew 4. What we're talking about today, uh, I'm going to go ahead and give you a heads up. I know some of you uh, are going to hate to talk about this. And uh, I, I felt it last night. Uh, this is what I call a nuts and bolts message. And I know that some people like to go into the new year, and what you want is a cheerleader to rah, rah, rah you into the new year. But here's what you have to understand. I'm not a cheerleader. God didn't ask me to be a cheerleader. God asked me to be an under-shepherd, and here's one of the roles I have. Nuts and bolts messages, you can't build anything big without a lot of nuts and bolts. So do not overlook a message like this weekend where we're going to talk about some things that you kind of flinch at and go, oh, this is, I hate when we talk about this in church. It's just, oh, why do we have to do this? Just here's what I'm asking you. Kind of clear the mechanism and whatever we talk about today, here's what I want you to try and do. Approach today's subject with fresh eyes. Not with last year's lens, but with fresh eyes And allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you about some very important godly habits. That I think, if you adopt these habits that we talk about today, you will certainly hear God's voice more clearly in 2017. So I titled the message in the form of a question because all three of the points are also in the form of a question. If you're taking notes, you can write this title down How do you respond to what you hear? How do you respond to what you hear? One of the best ways I can help you, because I get asked this a lot, how do I learn to hear God's voice in a better way? How how do I get better at hearing his voice? And here's the most simple answer I can give you. Uh, You will always hear God's voice more clearly when you always respond appropriately every time you hear him. How you respond in many ways determines how well you hear. So, I'm going to give you three questions in these three points. And if you're taking notes, I want you to write them down. If you're not taking notes, I want you to write them down twice. Okay. Here's, here's question number one. Do you memorize what he's already said? Do you memorize what he's already said? Now we're going to talk for a little while now, right here, right now about scripture memorization. And I know some of you going back all the way to Sunday school, you, you hate the word scripture memorization. And some of you only do well as it relates to scripture memorization when there's a couple pieces of candy put in front of you and the teacher says, I'll give you five pieces of candy if you memorize today's verse. Okay, I'm not doing that. All right. Now I might be tempted to later in the year, if you're not memorizing any verses, I'll do whatever I have to. But it's a wonderful thing what we do with our children, we, we teach them the importance, the value of scripture memorization by incentivizing it. Let me ask you a question How many adults do you think in the body of Christ stop memorizing scripture the minute the teacher stops giving incentives? I'll tell you the answer a lot. A lot. But the Bible in Colossians chapter three says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. What does that mean? How do you know if the Bible dwells in you richly? I'll tell you how. Do you know it by heart? Do you know it by heart? Have you committed, committed to memory God's word? Now, some would say, Preston, I'm horrible at memorization. I just have a horrible memory. No, you don't. Don't say that. You memorized how to get to church. You memorize where you park every time you park in a new parking space. You memorize where your phone is, unless you're like me. And then you forget it every day of your life where you put your phone. You memorize phone numbers. You memorize where your house is. You memorize more than you give yourself credit for. But I believe it's the work of the enemy to convince us, oh, we're, we're horrible at memorization. And here's why. Because the minute we begin committing to memory, God's word, we become far more dangerous to him. Yet many of us, simply listen to it, some of us read it, but how many of us memorize it and know it by heart? Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4, starting in verse 4, this is called the Shema, which means to hear. This is unbelievably important, especially in the Jewish culture, and and listen to what the word says. Deuteronomy 6, verse 4, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. And you shall talk of them when you sit in your house. You shall talk of them when you walk by the way. You shall talk of them when you lie down. You shall talk of them when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Now, I wanna talk about this for a second because I saw this up close and personal when we were in Israel several months ago. Holly and I were at the Western Wall and we saw uh, people walking around and they, they were wearing boxes on their foreheads. And some of them had boxes on their arms, just some, some straps and a box about that big on their arm. And I had no idea what it was. And I asked one of the pastors on our group, and he said, Press, Deuteronomy 6, what does it say? I wasn't thinking literally that verse 8 says, you shall wear these words, God's word, as frontlets on your head. And you shall wear them on your hand. So you'll see them on, on the wrist. You'll see them on the arm. Now, I understand that that's taking it literally. But you know, there's something sweet about being reminded. You could look at it and say, well, that's legalistic. There's also another way to look at it and say, that is a constant reminder of how close we are to stay to God's word. When you look at verse nine and it says, you shall attach these to the doorposts. If you were to walk through a typical Orthodox Jewish home, In Israel, here's what you'd find. In every doorway, not just the front door, in every doorway, there is scripture on the doorpost. And when they walk through any door, every time they walk through a door, they touch the scripture. Well, Preston, that's legalistic. That's one way to look at it. Another way to look at it, it's a constant reminder how close we are to be to God's word. Now, in the Jewish culture, many children, when they first learn how to talk, are taught the Shema, Deuteronomy 6. Also, many children, by the time they're 12, are taught to memorize and recite the first five books of the Bible. Is that crazy? That's, I mean, that is impressive. If I had a, a 10-year-old child, if I took the next six months off, and I had a 10-year-old child come up and every weekend simply repeat from memory the first five books of the Bible, you would be impressed. 10 years old, children. How is that possible? I'll tell you how it's possible. They've made it important. Having God's word deeply dwelling in their hearts. God's word can't come alive in you if you're not depositing it in you. Now, Matthew chapter 4, what we're going to read, uh, many of you know this story, but I want you to see it very, very uh, closely, and I want you to pay attention to something Jesus says three straight times, all right? Now, you know, this is the chapter where the devil comes to tempt Jesus, all right? I want you to watch how Jesus responds every time he's tempted. Matthew chapter 4, starting in verse 1. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil, For 40 days and 40 nights, he fasted and became very hungry. During that time, the devil came and said to him, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus told him, no. I love the way the New Living translates this. The scriptures say, and then Jesus recites from memory. He says, the scriptures say, people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city, Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple and said, if you are the son of God, jump off. Now look what the devil does. For the scriptures say, the devil quotes the Bible. The scriptures say he will order his angels to protect you and they will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. Jesus responded. The scriptures also say, Jesus, I, I, I'm, I am... Confident of the fact, Jesus had a little bit of a sarcastic sense of humor. And that one little word, he throws in also. The scriptures also say, You must not test the Lord your God. Next, the devil took him to the peak of a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in their glory. I will give it all to you, he said, if you will kneel down and worship me. Get out of here, Satan, Jesus told him. For the scriptures say for a third time, Jesus quotes scripture. You must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil went away and the angels came and took care of Jesus. Jesus, during his ministry on the earth, we have it recorded in scripture that he quotes 24 different books of the Old Testament. By memory, he quotes them. Nearly a hundred times, he quotes by memory scripture. When the devil comes to tempt Jesus, how does Jesus respond? By quoting scripture. Not with some cute response, not with some impressive bit of wisdom. He immediately goes to God's word. That was Jesus. Let me ask you a question. When the devil comes to tempt you, how do you respond? Is it with God's word? Or is it with your own words? Joshua chapter one helps us really understand because I think, especially at a time like this, a new year, everybody wants this to be a successful and prosperous year. Let me show you what Joshua chapter one says about being prosperous. There's a little bit of a tip in scripture. Joshua chapter one, verse eight. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night. So that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous. And then you will have good success. What do you think this new year would look like? If you set some targets related to memorizing scripture. I'm not asking you to memorize an entire book of the Bible. That would be awesome if you did. Start with a really small one if you're going to do it. But what would this next year look like if every week you tried to memorize at least one scripture in the Bible? Well, where do I start, Preston? I mean, I already know John 3.16, so I got this week down. <laughs> here's where I would say start. When I, when I try and help people to begin memorizing scripture, here's where I start. Start where you are. It's so easy these days to study scripture, we have something called the internet. And did you know that you can get online and there's a little box on a screen that if you put in a word and attach the word Bible to it, that a ton of Bible verses pop up on your screen without you having to turn to a page. It's magical. You can Google search words like Hope in the Bible. And you can get many verses on hope. Well, listen, if you're going through a challenging season in this season of your life, start with memorizing, depositing deeply within your heart, start memorizing scriptures on hope. Start wherever you are. Here's why I tell people to do that because sometimes. Christians see scripture memorization the same way an eighth grader sees geometry. I'm not going to need this when I get older. Why are they teaching me this? I'm not going to need this. So I teach people, hey, start where you are. Whatever you would like to learn in scripture, start memorizing scriptures related to that topic. If it's about God's faithfulness, if it's about God's love, if it's about God's power, start memorizing the things you would like to learn by committing it to memory you are depositing it deeply within your heart here's the second question i want to ask you related to your response to what you hear god say do you journal whatever whenever he speaks do you journal whenever he speaks so I, I fully understand that in the first two points of this message, I am tackling two of the least favorite things in most Christians' vocabulary. Scripture memorization and journaling. But I thought this is a low attendance weekend and it would be great just to hammer everybody with it. <laughs> I'm playing, I'm playing. I was horrible at journaling. And here's why. I saw journaling incorrectly there's a difference between having a diary and having a journal and and I didn't understand there was a difference until one morning I was writing in my journal and I just said to the Lord I hate this I really don't enjoy this there's just not life in this for me and he he began to help me understand what I was doing was not journaling I was keeping a diary Because I thought journaling meant you had to sit down and write things like, dear diary, today I had a decent day and I had this for lunch. I thought you had a diary, everything that you did. When I felt the Lord release me from keeping a diary and really inspire me to keep a journal, it was a game changer for me. I don't write in my journal every day. I really don't. Some people do, and that's great. There's nothing wrong with that, but I don't. Here's when I felt like the Lord told me to write in my journal, whenever he speaks. Whenever he speaks, just go write it down. When I was in high school playing basketball, every once in a while, our local newspaper would write an article about one of our games. And I had a habit, anytime uh, the, the newspaper would say anything with my name in it, I would cut it out and put it in a binder, And so somewhere in my house, there's a box collecting dust that I haven't seen in a very long time that has binders with newspaper clippings in them. And I I kept these things because someone wrote down some words about something I had done. Okay, let me help you understand what your journal is. It's you writing down words any time God does something or says something. That's the power of a journal. It's literally, and think about what 12 months from now would look like if you began to journal this year and simply write down any time you sense God speak to you or any time you saw God do something, can you imagine the celebration you would have 12 months from now going back on New Year's Eve before midnight and reading through all of your journal entries where God said something to you or you saw him do something miraculous in your life? Here's what happens when we don't write it down. We forget. We forget it. What would this next year look like if every time God spoke to you, you took a moment and just wrote it down. i gonna read you a couple of passages about the, the seriousness with which I believe we're to take recording God's word. Jeremiah chapter 30 verse two says, "The Lord gave another message, message to Jeremiah. He said, "This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Write down for the record, everything I have said to you, Jeremiah. Write it down, for the record." Habakkuk chapter two, verses one and two, we hear this passage preached and it's always on vision. And I'm reading out of the NLT and they don't use the word vision and I like that. I I like using multiple translations, but I like that the NLT doesn't use the word vision because many teachers and preachers take this passage and make it all about vision. I think it's about much more than just vision. Habakkuk chapter two, starting in verse one. I will climb up to my watchtower and stand at my guard post. There I will wait to see what the Lord says and how he will answer my complaint. Then the Lord said to me, write my answer plainly on tablets so that a runner can carry the correct message to others. I understand that this passage literally says, write the vision down, make it plain so that those who read it may run with it. I understand that. But I don't think Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 2 is just about vision. I think it's talking about the importance of when God answers you, when God speaks to you. Don't just hear it. Keep it. Write it down. Years ago, I remember saying to the Lord, I was in my truck after a service, and I said, Lord, every time Pastor Robert preaches, he says something I've never heard somebody say. And Lord, I would love it if you would give me that same anointing. Every time he teaches, there's some new revelation. I would love to have an anointing for new revelation. I'll never forget the Lord's response. Preston, why would I give you new revelation if you've lost all of the old revelation? In other words, why would I say something new to you if all of the sweet old things I've said to you, you have already forgotten? One of the fastest ways to begin to hear God's voice more clearly is prize every word you hear him say. And listen, one of the best ways to do that is every time you hear him speak, simply taking a moment and writing it down. Is it that hard? No. Is it that powerful? Yes, it really is. The power of journaling. There's not power just in journaling. The power comes in seeing God's faithfulness on the page. What would your year be like if you deposited Scripture in your heart, and every time you heard God speak to your heart, you wrote it down. Here's question number three. Do you say whatever he tells you to say? Do you say whatever he tells you to say? One of the best ways I can tell you how to hear God's voice more clearly is every time you hear him say something to you that he asks you to say to someone else, you say it. I'm gonna give you a different perspective of this because we've all felt this. We've all been in the grocery store at one time or another, and we're all dialed in. It's the holidays. We're at Costco. There's 9,000 cars in the parking lot. We are in a mode. We have a list. We've got stuff we've got to do. We're not thinking about anything other than what's right in front of us. And out of nowhere, the Holy Spirit says, See that person over there? Do you see them? Do you see that woman? She needs to be encouraged. Would you go over there? Would you tell her that I see her, that I love her, and that I never stop thinking about her? How do you respond when you feel God say something like that to your heart? Do you talk yourself out of it? Oh, that's crazy. Lord, that's not you. You're right, because it's more like God to say, see that lady over there? She needs to be screamed at. Go over there and yell at her. No, no, no. It's exactly what God would do and say, see her over there? She needs to be encouraged. Would you go give her an encouraging word? Do you remember when we were in grade school and there was always that kid in the class who wanted to pass love notes to girls in the class? Remember that kid? Okay, I was that kid. (laughs) But you remember when you would get asked, hey, hey, will you pass this note to my friend, will you pass this note over to that girl? What were they doing? They were saying, I am over here. They are over there. I have a love note that I want to make sure this person gets and I need you in the middle to pass it to them. Listen, God does the exact same thing with us. He wants to encourage everyone around you and frequently he will say to you, I have a note I want you to pass to them. And all he wants to know is, will you do it? Will you pass the note? I'm gonna read you two passages of scripture where two very important people say in scripture, listen, I say whatever God tells me to say. And I think these two people are so important that we should probably take note of these two people and pattern our lives after them. The first one you might recognize being Jesus in John chapter 12, verse 49. Jesus says, I don't speak on my own authority. The Father who sent me has commanded me what to say and how to say it. And I know his commands lead to eternal life. So I say whatever the Father tells me to say. John chapter 16, verse 12, Jesus says, there is so much more I want to tell you, but you can't bear it now. When the spirit of truth, speaking of the Holy Spirit, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he has heard. Jesus and the Holy Spirit, both in scripture. The Bible tells us they do not speak on their own accord. They simply say whatever the father tells them to say. I have a simple question for you. What do you think your year would look like, parents? If every time you heard God whisper to your heart, your child needs to be encouraged. And here's what I want you to say. What I love about what Jesus says in John 12, he says, the father tells me what to say and how to say it. Oftentimes, just as powerful as the words being spoken is the way in which we speak them. Parents, what would your year look like if this year, every time you felt God speak to your heart and say, Here's what your child needs. They need you to say this, and here's how I want you to say it. What would it look like if you responded with obedience and did it? Husbands, what would it look like this year if every time God said to you, here's what your wife needs. She needs you to say this, and you say it exactly how God tells you to say it? What would it look like? I'm telling you, your marriage would get a lot better no matter where it is and no matter how good it is. How do you respond when God taps you on the heart and says, I want you to say something to someone? Listen, if you want to hear God more clearly this year, it's really easy. It's not rocket science. Anytime he asks you to say something to someone, say it. And in doing so, you are proving yourself trustworthy with his word. Now, let me help you personalize these three things, all right? And we'll be done. Let's say you were a CEO of a company, and you were looking to promote someone in the organization, and you wanted to bring them up to a high level of leadership within the company, and so you chose three people, and, and they're all highly qualified. Everybody in the organization respects them, and, and you begin just watching them and putting them through some paces behind the scenes. And the first person, while highly qualified, very successful, you've realized they never listen to anything you say. And you're the CEO. They sit in a conference room where you give a presentation, and they don't even look at you. They're on their phone. And you give them the benefit of the doubt? You think they're taking notes, and so during your presentation, you wander around the conference room table just to make sure they're taking notes, and you find out they're playing Pokemon on their phone. They don't even listen to what you say. The second person, highly successful, everything they've done in the organization has succeeded, they listen to what you say. You watch them in the meeting, and they pay very close attention when you speak but you've noticed that when they leave the meeting, they constantly forget what you said in the meeting. They look like they're learning, they look like they're growing, they look like they're listening, but time and time again they prove they forget what you say once they leave the room. But then the third person, this person is just as successful as the other three. But this person, you watch them in the conference room in every meeting, and when you're talking, they are scribbling feverishly on a pad. They're writing down, it seems like, every word that comes out of your mouth. But then they go a step further, and to some it seems like kissing up, but they take a recorder and place it at the head of the table so they can record every word you say. And when you go to lunch with them, They go into nerd mode, and they have a book where they open up and they say, hey, hey, I got to ask you a question. Do you remember last week when you said this one-liner? It was amazing. Give me your thoughts on that one-liner. Okay, let me ask you a question. If you were going to promote someone who had your values out of those three people, which one would you promote? Would anyone promote employee number one? Okay. If, if you raise your hand for that, you're clearly not an employer. <laughs> would anyone promote employee number two? They listen, but they always forget what you say. Of course not. How many of you would promote employee number three? Let me see your hands. Okay. Let me help you understand something. I believe this year has some incredible things in store for you, that God desires you to accomplish that nobody else is going to get a chance to accomplish. But I assure you of this one thing. If every time he speaks, you either choose not to listen, or you listen, but you constantly forget, I make you this promise, you are not going to experience the fullness of of what God has for you in this calendar year. But I also make you this promise. If you commit to being someone, a son, a daughter of God, who stands before God and says, I'm obsessed with your words and I want to hide them deeply in my heart. I want to deposit them richly inside of me. And every time you speak to me, I want to write it down. I don't ever want to forget one word you say to me. And every time you ask me to say something to someone, God, I'm going to say it. I promise you this. You do those three things. Not only are you going to hear God more clearly than you have in a long time. You're going to experience the fullness of everything God has for you this year. God longs to use you. He longs to use you. But without his word and without a heart that prizes and treasures every word that comes out of his mouth, if we don't have a heart to do those things, We show we can't be trusted with his word or his anointing. Preston, I want to hear God better than I ever have before. Well, that's good. All you have to do is respond appropriately every time you hear him speak. Thanks for listening to this week's message. If you'd like to know more about Gateway Church, please visit our website at www.gatewayscottsdale.tv.